Chapter Nine of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: Poor Lida and the Rest. The next three days were trying ones. The Smiths were undoubtedly much annoyed by their relative. Very well-meaning people they were, and in the main warm-hearted. Had it been an ordinary occasion and the house free from other guests. I think they would have bestowed very courteous attention on Mrs. Solomon. But as it was, her unexpected advent at a time when many stylish guests, dear, particular, fashionable friends of Miss Lida, gay young men, college intimates of the son Harris, whom, by the way, I find I have not mentioned at all, possibly because at that time I thought there was little or nothing about him to mention, and a dignified aristocratic aunt or two on Mrs. Smith's side, were all at hand to demand special attention, I really don't consider it strange that the country aunt was sent to the fourth floor to sleep. Not that they intended any indignity thereby, they knew the room was clean, the bed ordinarily comfortable, and that the necessary conveniences were at hand. They knew also that people in the country were not accustomed to gas or furnaces, nor many of the luxurious appliances of modern-day life. They believed, no doubt, that they were giving Mrs. Solomon every whit as good accommodations as she had at home. How could they know that the grave and commonplace Solomon regarded her as the apple of his eye, studied day and night her comfort, would not, for all the worth of his little farm, let a breath of adverse wind touch her if he could help it? How could they know that before the sunrise of each winter morning he was moving around the room, stepping as if shod in velvet, not to disturb her last nap, while he raked out the coals and set the bits of wood in the old stove to burning, so that the atmosphere when she awoke would be that of summer? Comparatively few wives, after forty years of travelling together, receive such care, it may be. Mrs. Jonas Smith, in her elegant home, had no such experience. Perhaps she may be pardoned for not understanding what the loss of it was to her more favoured sister-in-law. Some of the guests were rude enough to amuse themselves at the old lady's expense, even before her face, trusting to a supposed obtuseness which did not exist, that her feelings would not be hurt thereby others of the guests were foolishly annoyed by her country ways and homespun language i occupied that most embarrassing position a sort of confidant of all parties poor lida mrs jonas smith would say to me half laughing half sighing it is really a great trial to her to have her aunt maria here she is as good a soul as ever lived of course we all recognize that but she is queer, both in looks and actions, there is no denying it, and Lida is young and sensitive. She declares she can never have her in the parlors during the ceremony, and her father assures her that she must, as of course she must, there is nothing else to do. And then poor Lida cries. I hate to have her last days of girlhood made miserable. What a pity the dear old soul chose this time for a visit." We could have made her so comfortable when we were quite alone, and her little peculiarities would have passed unnoticed. My dear Mrs. Leonard, you are so very kind to care for the old lady as you do, and keep her comfortable in your own room so much. 
i assure you we appreciate it lida was speaking only this morning of your and your daughter's thoughtfulness she had talked on like a smooth flowing stream up to this point giving no chance for a counter-current but now common honesty demanded that i should interpose to assure her that there was no unselfish thoughtfulness about our action that we respected and loved mrs solomon smith that she was an honored guest at our home and that we delighted in her quaint ways and keen-sighted observations i might as well have let the stream flow on indeed mrs jonas said and i want to know and oh to be sure she is as good as gold my husband always said that he has great respect for his brother's character too then she purled on about our thoughtfulness and our appreciation and lida's trial and the general mortification it was until i gave myself up to rejoicing over the fact that laura was not there to grow hopelessly angry at her one little hint i ventured i am afraid she is careless about her fire and will take cold i notice her hands are very cold mornings and she seems quite in a shiver mrs smith gave me in return what i suppose might be called an evasive answer she bemoaned the fact that the house was so unexpectedly full it was impossible to make every one as comfortable as she would like harris had brought home with him two more friends than he had written about and that called for an extra room of course then one of lida's dearest friends had a cousin visiting her and could not come without her that's made still another unexpected one she explained and do you know poor lida had to give up her own pretty little room and occupy a lounge in my dressing-room i feel so sorry that the dear child should be turned out just at this time all this meant of course that she had no spot for mrs solomon smith save the attic room where there was no means of warming i really suppose this was true and that she had done the best she knew how but it was only out of respect for mrs solomon smith's own feelings that laura did not give up her place in our luxurious room and herself mount to the fourth floor indeed it was not until the old lady had pleaded earnestly that she secured a promise from my daughter to do no such thing i shall feel hurt if you do mrs solomon had said a great deal more hurt than i am about getting my clothes on in the cold a few mornings it won't last long irving too seemed to consider me the proper person to express his mind before isn't she a queer sort of party auntie how did you come to pick her up are you speaking of the aunt of your prospective wife i asked him and his handsome face flushed a little then he laughed well now auntie one isn't to blame for having queer relatives i suppose i don't care of course but it is rather hard on poor lida and the rest i have no doubt she is the salt of the earth as my dear cousin laura hints out of angry mouth and flashing eyes whenever i cross her path but if she would wear a little less startling cap and spectacles and look a little less like a guy generally i think i should recognize her worth fully as soon i was nearly as vexed with him as laura could have been and spoke very coldly about the appreciation that depended upon the style of dress being hardly worth striving for 
and then I went away without having a word of that talk which I had longed to have with Irving, and which I fancied he might have planned for in seeking me. Laura, too, poured out the vials of her indignation before me. She continued to be exasperated with the entire family, guests included. She hardly saw me alone that she had not some new grievance, a special slight of some sort, that her dear old lady had endured at their hands. "'It humiliates me, mamma," she would exclaim, tossing right and left the bright-coloured wools with which she was working. "'The idea that because they have a little more money than she, and dress a little better, and all that sort of thing, they should presume to look down on a woman of her worth. It is such a shoddy state of society to make money the all-important factor in friendships, even.' "'How do you know that they have much more money than she?' solomon smith is considered a pretty well-to-do farmer you know and you remember she herself told us that these city friends were not a mite forehanded laura's sensitive lip curled that makes me all the more vexed mamma whenever i think of it the idea of their cheating solomon smith out of his lawful interest on hard-earned money and then trimming even their pillow shams with such lace as that I tell you, mamma, there are a great many kinds of shams. Money is at the root of it all. Suppose for a moment that dear old Auntie Smith had fifty thousand dollars to leave to that simpering little bride downstairs. Do you suppose she would sleep in the attic? Not a bit of it. And they would just dote on her eccentricities. That is the name they would call them then. I hate it all. I am sorry I came." I was sorry that circumstances had seemed to call for so long a stay. It had been a special petition of Irving's that we should spend a few days with them before the wedding. Monday had been the unusual day chosen for the ceremony, because Irving's official vacation commenced on that day, and as he held an office under the government, he was obliged to be rigid in his dates. The young people coveted the entire time to themselves, hence a Monday wedding if mrs smith had been a meek and quiet little woman with eyes less keen it would have been much less embarrassing as it was she saw everything heard everything and was painfully given to speaking her mind she was overwhelmed with astonishment at the idea of a rehearsal of the marriage ceremony which was to take place in the back parlor on saturday evening a rehearsal she repeated in a mystified tone what might that be two of the elegant guests giggled together one of the aristocratic aunts frowned and laura explained but what do they want to do it for they surely know how to stand up in a room together and promise to love each other without saying it over beforehand like children do their school pieces i should think they would want to do the repeating of it just to each other and let the outsiders have their turn once for all the little bride blushed at this, and Laura further explained that they wanted to go through with the ceremony once, with the attendants, lest someone might make a mistake, and that would be embarrassing in public. But the dear old lady shook her grey head emphatically over this. "'Too late to correct mistakes. If there has been one made, it's my opinion it will have to be corrected before it comes time to make the promises. When Solomon and I was married, 
we was sure enough of what we was about wasn't in the least afraid of making any mistakes i was only too glad to speak out i do loud and clear so all the folks in the church could hear me and i've never seen the minute in all the forty years that i was sorry i said it i hope elizabeth that forty years from now you can say as much but elizabeth was pouting something in her aunt's words had jarred on her sensitive nerves and i have reason to know that she threw the smith family into a turmoil and made her mother miserable by declaring late that evening that she didn't care she wouldn't have that horrid old thing at her wedding so now she wouldn't be married at all if she had got to be there and they would see what a horrid fuss that would make the rehearsal however took place the younger portion of the household attending and pronouncing it all perfectly lovely while mrs smith sat upstairs with me and expressed her views i don't like it i can't help thinking it is all satin and flowers and frosting and make-believe i don't mean that she don't love him poor young thing it is plain to be seen that she does and he watches over her with them great eyes of his wherever she turns but there don't seem to be anything solemn and earnest about it the idea of rehearsing such solemn promises as them are i wonder if they have the prayer and all said over for fear some of the words won't be in the right place i don't like it but mrs smith i hastened to explain they don't rehearse the ceremony exactly the idea is simply to see if their positions are understood and are pleasantly arranged and if i'll understand about the moves to be made well she said after having paused in her knitting to fix her earnest gray eyes on me while i talked eyes which some way embarrassed me so much i could hardly finish the sentence i'm an ignorant old fogey i dare say it may be all right but i don't see how they can do it i wouldn't have liked folks a-peeking around to see whether solomon and i stood just in the right place and winked just when we should and all that bless your heart what do you suppose we cared whether we stood right or wrong so long as we heard the minister say i pronounce you husband and wife and joined with him to ask the lord's blessing i dare say it is the thing to do nowadays times change but i don't believe i could have done it my room was directly over the parlors and the hall doors were open so from time to time we were entertained by outbursts of merriment from below a marriage rehearsal certainly seemed to be a very amusing thing i went over in memory the solemn and tender words of the marriage ceremony with its terribly suggestive sentence until death us do part and i wondered whether irving and Lida, when they repeated the formula on monday evening would be able to hold their minds away from the frolic in which they had been repeated on saturday evening modern fashionable society is a curious thing full of new devices perhaps one of the most innocent is the rehearsing of solemn vows in a kind of pantomime before the hour for the real thing as mrs smith says it may be all right yet i confess myself in sympathy with her last century views i found myself wondering curiously whether they would have rehearsed the funeral service if one of the bridal party lay dead in the house 
sunday morning dawned upon us as bright and beautiful a winter morning as could well be imagined i was really in hopes it would rain murmured mrs jones to me confidentially as we went to the breakfast-room in company i don't know what to do with aunt maria to-day poor lida's nerves are in such a twitter that she declares herself not equal to the thought of aunt's bonnet in our pew and i suppose of course she will go to church that class of people always do you know query just what class of people did mrs jonas mean at the breakfast-table the matter of church-going came up it transpired that a small number of the guests were going out indeed the hour was so late that those who like ourselves had not prudently made our church toilets already could not have done so if they would mrs jonas smith declared herself too much worn out with excitement and nervousness to think of doing anything but resting i was so glad this morning to remember that it was a day of rest she said looking around upon us with a benevolent smile i don't know what i should do if it were not for the regularly occurring sabbaths to take a break in the week's excitements and responsibilities yes her sister-in-law said with sweet seriousness sunday is a blessed day of rest and to think that the lord gives a wonderful promise to them that keep it if thou turn away thy foot from the sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the sabbath a delight the holy of the lord honourable and shalt honour him not doing thine own ways nor finding thine own pleasure nor speaking thine own words then shalt thou delight thyself in the lord and i will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of jacob thy father for the mouth of the lord hath spoken it there was something exceedingly pleasant in mrs smith's way of repeating bible verses a sort of exclamatory style over some portions her face beaming the while as if she were telling good news and such astounding news as could hardly be believed at all but for that last fact the mouth of the lord hath spoken it my daughter mary said to me once that she always marked a verse of mrs smith's repeating as something new that had just been put into her bible for however familiar she was sure to see it in a new way after hearing the old lady recite it no one responded to the verse this morning almost nothing had been said about the manner of resting yet each person present seemed to feel an incongruity between mrs jonas smith's way and the way which the mouth of the lord had indicated that lady proceeded somewhat sharply with her investigation as to who was going to church the host signified his willingness to escort such of his guests as chose to attend laura and i were going also one of the aristocratic aunts and two of the young ladies thought they should if they were dressed in time this induced a young gentleman to promise to attend them so despite the doubtful beginning our party bade fair to be quite large i suppose it is too cold for you to venture out maria insinuated her sister-in-law but she received a brisk denial bless your heart i haven't seen the weather in more than fifty years that was too cold for me to go to church i can wrap up warm my cloak is as warm as toast just right for such weather 
i confess to being very sorry that it was such a queer-looking cloak then came the question of distance laura asked about that oh the distance was a trifle the host said not more than five minutes ride on the cars the red line at the corner passed their church the cars repeated mrs solomon smith in tones of dismay i wonder now if they keep the cars a-going on sunday End of chapter 9